The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today. No mai hoki mai kia the fold e mihine ko dangri tokungwa. My guest this week on the fold is Guy Williams, who you're gonna have heard of. He's he's probably be one of the the more famous people to have appeared on this podcast, and uh, he he's here because he's actually starting. His own podcast. Actually, this would be his. It's his second published podcast. He, he does one called Advanced Analytics with his brother Paul, which is. It's about the NBA, and the the, the name is wildly misleading. It's it's a, it's a really fun basketball podcast, which you should check out. But he, this is his first sort of big grown up proper podcast after many years of doing radio and trying to start podcasts. Uh, it's it's a spin off of. New Zealand Today, his his very successful uh, comedy, which is him as a sort of a, a fake journalist going around New Zealand investigating these, um, you know, just kind of small town incidents and people and so on. Um, and he's taken one of those, uh, Karen, who was a who went viral just based on her voice alone uh, for her twenty wax uh, phone message, and has become by the sounds of it, like a friend and now a collaborator of, of guys. And I think that yeah, the 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 nature of this podcast, which I should say is is part of the launch of uh, Freddie Boy, which is a, a new podcast network just around the corner from us actually, uh, run out of Kevin and Co, who produced New Zealand Today and Taskmaster and a bunch of other great New Zealand uh, comedy shows. What what guy what what I think the best of of guy like and he's he's an acquired taste. There are people I know who are, who I think have great sense of humor who can't stand him. Sorry, guy, it's true. There are others, um, and I'm among them who think he's incredibly funny and and has a a really broad range. You know, as, as we discussed, like the first time I saw him, he was doing really really good sort of awkward anti-comedy stuff in in a small hall and. But he can also just go on a big stage and 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 wow a big crowd who might not have much of a relationship to to stand up comedy. Um, and what unifies it all, and what makes you know, I think this, this podcast an interesting thing is that he's just like a, a person who is deeply curious about people. And uh, while he is like a, a massive loudmouth, and at times you're not not one hundred percent sure that he's listening to you before he launches into his response again sorry guy uh there is just a genuine love for and interest in the whole of this country and how it knits together and you know i think the thing that makes new zealand today today interesting is that the the, the sort of small towns and the characters that he finds 
just aren't on television very much. You know, they're, they're not on, on, on mass media. They have their own cultures and idiosyncrasies and yet by the time and people from those towns might even make it to to, to be part of television but by the time they're there the, the edges are smoothed off they're not recruited because they have uh, these you know particular kind of whether it's dialect dialects or perspectives or these these local cultures and and the best of New Zealand today really glories in that At times it gets tense I'm not not going to sit here and say that it's uh, it's a an uncomplicated watch, and we do discuss that a bit. But um, I think the fact that Guy has got to a place in his career where he's making a, a, a show that is very much his in his image and, and his comedic is a really great thing. The, and from there, we talk about why it's such a rare thing that he got to do that, and and what the opportunities to do to do more of that in this country are. Um, I think it's a really fun listen. Uh, I've known Guy for a long time, and um, yeah, we just we just sort of get into it. Uh, before we start, I want to thank Vodafone. They are the world class network technology that we're currently recording on, and uh, runs like a dream. So if you're looking for that for your business, go to Vodafone.co.nz. This is Guy Williams on the fold. Kelda Guy, and welcome to the fold. Kia ora, thanks for having me. It's really nice to be here. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very, very glad to, to to have you on board. This is actually, we, we did an unreleased podcast uh, many years ago. Do you remember? We recorded it at The Edge. I do not remember this at all. Oh, I, did I interview you? You interviewed me. Yeah, I, um, I love that. I wanted to do an interview podcast when I worked in radio and I started, I recorded some gold. I talked to Julianne Genta and the rapper PNC and Duncan Grieve. And I um I really liked it, but then I just was too busy and did nothing with it. But it was I promise you, man, that was hot fire stuff. Yeah, it was good. I loved you. I love that um the range of it uh, and then those three people. But I guess that that's that's a roundabout way of saying this is this is something. And in Freddie Boy and the NZ Today podcast is is something you've been wanting to do for a long, long time. Yeah, I'm a mediocre white man, so I just want to do a podcast. It's my dream. Every day I'm trying to record a podcast. Everyone I see, I'm like, you want to do a podcast. I was at um, Peter Pitt the other day and I saw my childhood uh, friend, he runs the Peter Pitt and I was like, man, you want to do a podcast? He wasn't keen, he was more working at the Peter Pitt at the moment, but he, you know, like, it, I'm always looking for podcasts, so if you want to do a podcast, man, I'm keen, or oh, we're doing a podcast right now, but <laughs> I, I, love, I love doing podcasts, and um, unfortunately though, I've had no real reason to do a podcast, like there's nothing, I have nothing interesting to say, I have no skills or abilities, um, but into season three, of New, or season two of New Zealand Today, they wrote into the pitch that we would also do a podcast. And that was good because it forced me to finally do one. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to be doing a podcast. So let's start by talking about the the, the big thing, which is which is Freddie Boy, that the network that it's part of, and then about the specifics of your your collab with Karen. So, so tell me about Freddie Boy. Uh, Kevin & Co., the great production company, uh, they started... Uh, out of Jono and Ben, really, but they um, they made Funny Girls, Creamery, uh, Pax Asadi's upcoming projects, uh, Raised by Refugees. They, um, oh, uh, uh, Taskmaster is one of the big shows as well, and New Zealand Today. Um, that's my long-term producer, Bronwyn, and her husband, Cam. They're great, and they, they started this production company uh, to make good television, and then Cam's also trying to do some podcasts as well, and, um, and this is the start of it. Yeah, it's exciting. 
And um, and so for you, like you said, you've been trying to do podcasts for a long, long time. Just just walking up to people in the street, essentially. Um, what is it about Karen that has made you go that that's my <laughs> that's my talent? That's my she, she was soulmate. she was available, and um, there was a COVID lockdown, and we were both in the South Island, so we were able to record. No, um, it was a little bit organic like that, to be honest, um, Duncan, because it's the whole thing's not very well sort, thought through. But I think I've stumbled onto something good, which is often how good things happen. I feel I don't know if you have that experience or not. Um, no, oh, well, why are you? Oh, and about things, yeah, about things happening organically and, w- and without necessarily a huge amount of planning. Absolutely, you know, this 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 whole spinoff is basically that. Because I actually wanted to do a podcast because I wanted to do a New Zealand Today podcast, and um, uh, I wanted to do it like like the TV show, but do like a long form investigation into something. And I wanted to do one about your mate who you did an article on. I was actually inspired by an article by you about um, the guy who runs a bar in the viaduct called Headquarters. His name's Leo Malloy. Yeah. Um, and you did a great article about him, and I was kind of inspired by that, and he was running for mayor, and I want to call it Leo Malloy Runs for Mayor. Maybe I still would, and just cover his journey to the mayoralty, because I find Auckland politics from Len Brown versus Luigi Waluigi um, through to uh, uh, John Tamahiri want to, wanting to build a, a 16-lane bridge over the Auckland Harbour. Like John, Auckland hey, John Banks denying paternity of his own son, who looks exactly like John Banks. <laughs> It's amazing. It's, it's like every week, it just like pulls up the most amazing things, and no one seems to cover it that well. Like the Correct. spinoff does a good job, and that's about it. And it's just no one cares. And it's also the Auckland mayoralty and Auckland politics is a big deal. Like the Auckland mayor is a very powerful position that controls millions of dollars of taxpayer money, and just no one seems to give us stuff about it. It's so weird. Yeah, I, I also so, so this is, this is why you've decided to do a podcast with Karen is your fascination with Auckland uh, local no, body politics. No, well, I wanted to do a long form research thing, but I was too busy, right? Yeah, and I would have been bad at that anyway because I'm not a real journalist and I didn't have the resources. This is a low budget podcast, and so in the end, I wanted to do an episode with Karen uh, because I genuinely think she is just the most amazing person and and I love listening to her so I'm sure more people would like listening to her if you don't know who Karen is by the way she's a New Zealand um viral video she started as um the 20 f and wax was her video and um if you don't know the call it goes um she's calling up someone asking for a 20 dollars back for some weed and uh she says um uh I'll get my 20 bucks so you're gonna get 20 f and wax 20 f and wax and she's got the grittiest um smoker's voice and um, she, she, her just way with words is like, it's almost poetry, the phone call. If you don't know it, Google it. And um, I went and interviewed her. It was one of the most successful um, segments of my TV show that I've ever done. And I just fell in love with her straight away from the from the moment I met her and I asked her, you wanted to give um, this woman, Rachel, 20 wax. Who else do you want to give 20 wax? As soon as she said, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, I was like, wow, there's more to this person than I thought just being an angry Kiwi battler. And um, Karen, to me, is like a really, really fascinating character. And I don't know if she appeals to you, and I don't know if people just think she's just an angry lady, but I genuinely think she's someone who should be on radio or talk back. Um, and so I'm so excited to do this podcast with her because I've been a comedian for 10 years. I don't know what people think of me as a comedian, but she blows me out the water, eh? She is so talented. She's so funny. She's so interesting. And um, I'm genuinely proud of this podcast. And it's nothing to do with me. It's all because of her. 
So, I mean, that, that gets to something which I, I've always found quite interesting about New Zealand today and, and potentially like resolves it in a way, which is that, you know, at times when you're watching it, it can be hard to figure out where the line is between the uh, the sort of love for and celebration of these kind of ornery characters of, of uh, sort of smaller town New Zealand versus the exploitation of them and Karen's arc into actually, you know, now becoming some kind of media personality and, and you forging a deeper relationship suggests that it hopefully is, is more in the former. Do you ever struggle with, with that about your sort of relationship to the subjects and the way that they're, they're sort of rendered on screen and, and then go about their lives? Yeah, it's an it's an awkward part of New Zealand today and so much of like modern, um, like kind of vox pop media. It's like everyone we talk to, you're like, is this okay? What is my relationship with these people? What are we doing here? As you said. And um, yeah, it is a really tricky thing to de- deal with. And I guess the way I justify my horrible existence. No, I, I, I'm proud of New Zealand today and generally like it. But the way I justify what we do and stuff like that and how the show works is I hope that most people in New Zealand today, even if they get painted not in the best light, there's been a few people who maybe don't look the best I still think there's like a love there and a little bit of understanding. I could be wrong. And I mean, everyone can view it in their own light, but I genuinely really like almost every character we've ever spoken to. Like New Zealand today, we generally film a story over two days. So you really get to know the person. We often go out to dinner and stuff like that. And um, most of them, I like, I don't leave going, Hey, I want to screw this person over in the edit or make them look like an asshole. I genuinely really appreciate them and and love them. Even the people I disagree with, even Murray Chong, the racist counsellor in um, uh, Taranaki, like we're still, we still text occasionally. We still, you know, like keep in touch or film two segments with him. And maybe I'm, maybe that's another kettle of fish because maybe I'm bad for platforming him. But I genuinely like Murray Chong. I don't think he should be a counsellor. I think a lot of his views are very problematic and there's a lot of things with him that I about him that I strongly disagree with, but I, I just, I, I like hanging out with him and I like him as a person, you know, it's, it's weird to say for someone that I disagree with so strongly, but I think that's part of the charm of New Zealand today as well, I think. Yeah, and, and that's kind of, I think that there is a, the, this era which has has a quite an intense, uh, you know, there, there is a thread which is that you, like you said, you, you shouldn't platform these people and that um, that even having a, a, a friendship or, or or a relationship of any kind with someone who holds those views is somehow um, anathema. But there is something about watching New Zealand today at its best, where you sort of feel like you know it's it's a way of taking people who would never get in this who never never in the same room, who might never encounter one another, and allowing them to sort of at least have an understanding of the different realities of one another's lives. And from there, well, it's sort of up to us where we take that, you know, that, that, that seems to be quite a, a beautiful thing that might come of it. When I go on the internet, I have such a dark view of society because we're getting like, you know, tidbits and tweets and one liners about everyone's lives. It's so interesting. It's so easy to leave the internet or social media and think that this person is awful I don't like this person. This person's my enemy. And um, New Zealand today, for me anyway, I don't know what, what the experience the viewer gets, just has the complete opposite effect. 
I go in thinking, fuck this person, they're a misogynist, stuff this person, they're um they're a racist or whatever, you know, the, the premise might be of the story. And they're not all like that, but it, it does, it is kind of a recurring theme on the show that I talk to people who are famous for kind of problematic views. And um, 98% of the time I leave going, hey, I really like that person, that person's good. And I can normally trace to where they've gone off the rails. And I don't, ju- I don't want to justify it or exonerate them or anything like that. But sometimes I just want to say, I vaguely understand. I can empathize a little bit and I, I like this person. I just wish they didn't have this view or this part of their personality, you know? Yeah, there's a complexity. It allows for a greater complexity of, of But person. Karen was never like that. Karen was love at first sight. I, do you love Karen? I don't know. what. You, have you seen my video I've done with yeah, Karen? Yeah, like, I, love, you- I love the video with Karen. I think she's like wildly charismatic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how it holds up over a how many how many podcast episodes are we talking is this ongoing or is it limited 10 episodes and have you recorded them what's the what's the situation we've recorded all 10 and um i i i just love her so i just get stuck in it's a bit i we're both a little bit uh, i was gonna say add i don't know if that's wrong to just like casually throw that word around like that but like uh both our minds jump around a lot we change subjects we're both quite self-absorbed so that creates a bit of an interesting dynamic where there is bits where we're arguing or we're talking and we don't even um, listen to what the other person is saying. <laughs> but um, uh, the stories that Karen comes out with and the interactions we have are pretty fascinating, right? It started, me and her just started doing live shows. I was just doing live shows because I was like, man, New Zealand needs to see what Karen's like. And I immediately heard a few tidbits. She would give me stories about... Um, uh, and a lot of them are quite tragic, but Karen is happy to tell them. And um, she also uh, tells them in a hilarious way. Um, Karen went to jail when she that was on episode one when she was 17 uh, because she overdosed. And when she was in hospital, the police charged her, went through her bag and found three tabs of acid. Um, and that's amazing. And But the way Karen tells it now... Um, is the most amazing story and it's sad and it's, you know, it's, ang- it's angering in some points and it's also um, hilarious at the same time. It's um, generally, genu- genuinely wonderful. Karen um, stabbed a man uh, twice, was found not guilty on the get- grounds of self-defense, a man uh, who would not leave her house and was there in her house for hours. And um, yeah, and then she has the advice, um, don't don't stab someone. No, no her advice is uh, in an argument, don't uh, ever pick up a knife because it's easier to stab someone than you think it is. But that's just like a again, like a roller coaster of a tale that um, from her life, which has just been the most um, fascinating life, and she's such a good storyteller that I'm just like, um, yeah, really, uh, I really really lucky to be able to listen to her. I think. Yeah, and these are sort of New Zealand lives that don't that are, that are often only featured on television or, or in our media when something but goes, not something goes on badly television. wrong. Well, yeah. no, but no. I, if you let me finish, sorry, <laughs> all sorry, good. Sorry. Just when I said when something goes badly wrong, do you know what I mean? Like to have to have her explaining herself, explaining her life story in a sort of a much less mediated way uh, sounds great. We'll just take a very quick break and return uh, with more from Guy Williams. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? 
Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Hello for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. We're back with Guy Williams now. I wanted to talk about some like a period of your career which I'm really fascinated by because it felt like you were because when I first, so I should say, when I first started, like, I, I saw your first comedy shows or the first comedy shows of yours I saw and you were, like, this disheveled guy. You had a bunch of posters and maybe, like, a VHS tape and I think you and Rose were doing a, a show together, uh, Rose Matafeo, uh, in, in, like, a Greyland community hall and it was a real shambles. It was very funny. And then it felt like in the blink of an eye, five years later, you're on The Edge, you're on Jono and Ben, and you've almost become the establishment that that show felt like a critique of in some respects. Oh, man. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's it's bleak, bro. I sold out. Um, but so so, I, tell, uh, so tell me sort of how you got there and then why you, which no one ever does. People don't do this. I mean, if you pay attention, like people get on the radio and they stay on the radio for their whole life because while it's hard work, it's very lucrative work and you just sort of chopped it. So tell me about how you got there before you tell me about why you left. Well, no, I, I sold out, right? So um uh, and you're right, my aesthetic and stuff kind of changed. And um, the reason for that being, I think, and I don't know, is that I did uh, deadpan, like, one-liners, awkward comedy for so long, and I just found that too hard to sustain in New Zealand because I started – basically, I started emceeing stand-up comedy gigs at the Classic, and um, when you're the MC, you can't be deadpan, low energy, because you're the guy who's got to energise the show. You've got to propel the show forward – with confidence and let the audience know that it's going. And when you do your own show for an hour and just the shows I've been doing just the last couple of nights in Nelson, it's like, um, it's so important that you let the, sh- the audience know they're in good hands and that they're going to be taken on a journey. And that's not the case. Um, if you're in Auckland or Wellington, people get it. They go to a lot of comedy shows. They enjoy anti-comedy or like um, subverting the, 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 the tropes of stand-up comedy, whereas in small-town New Zealand, just because maybe it's not as savvy an audience, I'm not, I'm not shitting on small-town New Zealand, I'm just saying they're not as as used to going to gigs and stuff like that. They, genu- they genuinely feel nervous for you. Like, even last night in Nelson, when I was doing self-deprecating jokes in a comedy show, you still get, like, oz or people, like, feeling sorry for me. It's the weirdest thing. And just in New Zealand in general, like, so many subtle jokes and stuff like that, don't hit. So I think it was emceeing comedy that just made me change for better or worse, um, develop a more confident persona on stage. So it stems from stand up, just to kind of get through those gigs and kind of like be a safe pair of hands. And from there, I was always on John and Ben. That's how I started like on the Jono projects and um, for TV as well. It just, it just, you, you slowly learned that like um, broader jokes go bigger. Like I wanted to be more like seven days or more like that. And so I have changed for better or worse, but I think with New Zealand today, I've found a really nice mix of like broad jokes that everyone can enjoy that like a mainstream audience likes 
and also subtle stuff that's just for me or just for comedy nerds and stuff like that, I think. Just before, I mean, and I want to talk about that, but I, I do want to talk about commercial radio because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. And, and, and even notwithstanding your sort of mainstreaming um, that you were just describing, commercial radio yeah. is another animal, again, it requires a particular sort of discipline, the culture of it as the whole media works, which you were you know, you were you were there during the period where some of the this, this stuff that was been reported on this year sounded pretty dark. Like, I'm not not remotely associating you with that, but but certainly there awesome. is a whole culture around it that is, um, you know, and, and and you know, just the whole reality of commercial radio is a specific thing. What what was your time on the edge like, and what what did you sort of find uh, ultimately kind of spat you out of that scene? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed my three years on the edge. I just found it, um, yeah, I got into it because I, I was already friends with Sharon Casey, who was my co-host. Um, love Sharon. Um, and then I became mates with Clint, my other co-host and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed my um, three years at The Edge, but I found it very um, intense. It was a lot of work. I was It was crazy. It was a crazy time in my life because I was working on Jono and Ben, and they were as well, uh, and, and also working on a radio show. Um, John and Ben was like my competing radio show. It was the weirdest situation. <laughs> so films would film sketches in the morning and then in the afternoon go to neighboring. It was the weirdest thing. And um, I was literally working 24 hours. And what I realized is that um, I was losing my mind. I was too busy. I was too sleep deprived. I was um, basically just doing a bunch of stuff that I wasn't, wasn't really me. Like I really enjoyed the edge and I, I love just like sampling different things. I'll work on any show. I'll do anything. I'd love to, I don't disagree. I disagree with news talk ZB so strongly, but I would work on news talk ZB for a couple of years just to see what, what the hell's going on. I'm just so interested in, in, in anything. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. I, I enjoy that. And the edge was like such a culture shock for me. Cause as you said, I was like a, I was never like a mainstream kind of music kind of guy. Not that I was indie or cool, but I was just like, I was never into pop music. I was never into um, festivals or music. And then, yeah, next, next week, I didn't even go to O-Week when I was at university. And then I had to, at the edge, I had to go to O-Week as part of my job. It was like really, really weird. And um, basically it just became um, too intense. Um, like I just, I just had too much on and I was just moving too far away from that hipster, um, awkward comedian that you first saw. Um, and I was just not doing enough things that I wanted to do. And I realized that like, um, the edge wasn't my passion. I did not enjoy talking about Kim Kardashian every day or talking about Troy Sivan or Ed Sheeran. I don't, I don't dislike those people. I just got sick of, they're not my interest, you know? So I just, um, it was a no brainer to move away. And just cause the workload was just too much really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this though, because um, I actually, uh, obviously there's been big culture problems around radio and I uh, did not, I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that it's being cleaned up and stuff like that. And I'm really glad to hear that um, people are getting called out for um, shit they did that was not right. And and I feel embarrassed that I never s saw or really noticed that um, during my time at The Edge. I really liked my show and my co-hosts were great and as far as I know, I didn't notice that. But I did notice in radio, there was just a weird culture in general all across radio and in New Zealand TV as well. It's just, it's, it, TV and radio, just like, you, you'd notice this as well. Like, there's just a lot of strange personalities, people hilariously who have egos, even though they're just New Zealand famous and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I found 
the radio culture and the ratings culture and stuff like that, very unusual and um, very stressful as well. And um, uh, yeah, it was just it was just quite a weird uh, a weird thing to be a part of. And that's not a criticism of anyone I worked with because I um, I appreciated the people I worked with every day. But I yeah, I did find it quite um, difficult and. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't hack it long term. I don't think. So you have now arrived at this situation, which is real rare in in New Zealand comedy, where you have a show that is a vehicle for you that feels like it embodies your id in a way that you know a lot of people can be on a really successful show, but they're it's on some level it's a gig. Uh, but but basically, you've got this level of creative control that is that is very rare. And, and ultimately, like, it would be desirable to, to have more co- comedians ha- have it rather than... Because I think within yeah. New Zealand, it's... It, you know, who else has a, has a vehicle like yours? Obviously, Pax has got this, this project coming up. There's a few people who get a little run. But, uh, but yeah, what, what's, what's the thing that will move New Zealand from, you know, into a place where there is a bit more comfort with whether it's risk or, or in a an arrangement where there can be more New Zealand todays for more New Zealand comedians. Yeah, I, yeah I'm blessed. And I'm glad you pointed that out because I always want to say it to people and no one listens. But like, it's crazy. Like how many New Zealand comedians have been able to make their own show? Like zero, right? Like there was, a, when I was a kid, it, there, was a, there was Pulp Sport, Moon TV, uh, Back of the Y. There was a glut of like really low budget Eddie ones. Media Lunch. It was a golden age of, of very weird there was a, TV yeah, there was this, yeah, there, yeah, I forgot about Eddie Media Lunch and Arnold Thoreau's in New Zealand from Jeremy Wells as well. And what happened is it's just unfortunate in my mind is that unfortunately, you know, the TV bubble has burst. We've all moved to the internet, which is good because New Zealand comedians are like succeeding more than they ever have in a completely different way through new media. Like New Zealand comedians are bigger than they ever have been, but they're on TikTok and Facebook and stuff like that and YouTube. Um, But for me personally, I'm just like the luckiest, luckiest person because I got the last of that golden era of like, you know, New Zealand comedy being, you know, New Zealand, so not comedy so much as TV being willing to take risks, you know, John and Ben, um, even though it was like, you know, a combination, it was inspired by a lot of shows was like it's an original show. It wasn't a format. It wasn't bought from Australia or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with shows being bought from Australia. And I love um, Taskmaster is one of my favorite New Zealand comedies, but it's with TV being so dire. And I think, you know, so risk adverse now, it's, it's just so much easier to sell a format than it is to sell an original show. And um, the only reason my show got through the net is because it developed naturally on Jono and Ben. It was already a proven pilot. Um, it did a season on Jono and Ben plus my track record before then. Um, so literally people could see what it is and see that it might work. And plus um, there was... Uh, probably money that had it, it got to f- jump into that vacuum that Jono and Ben left. Um, and so, yeah, it was just perfect timing and perfect example of um, New Zealand on air working, right? Because I developed on the Jono and Ben show very incrementally until I had a product that was willing, that was like developed like properly, like an American pilot almost. It had a brand. It was ready to be its own TV show. I'm so, so lucky, man. Yeah. And it just, I just wonder where that next thing is coming from. And, you know, obviously like, Rosa's success on some level will be attributable to the the reps she got on on Jono and Ben as well. But the yeah. the fact of it, she might she might not want to say that, but yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it all absolutely and Seven Days and um, Funny Girls, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but without 
I, I just wonder whether with shows like, I mean, Taskmaster is obviously an incredible show, but whether, but it is intensely formatted and whether the current environment necessarily allows for the natural development of both talents and, and kind of ideas. And, you know, John on Ben wasn't like, it wasn't a show that I particularly enjoyed in and of itself, but certainly what it, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, on, I'm just man. being honest, you know, I'm, we, I'm on the public we, we record. Did, I'll defend it. We did some great shit, you know, and like people remember the last few years when we were running out of ideas a little bit and stuff like that. But Jono and Ben had some real highs. There is no and doubt vi- about that. It's just, unfortunately, it was an hour-long show that had to be every week for 40 weeks a year. So inevitably, the quality control suffers on some degree. But the whole time, yeah. these talents were developing. You can even see someone like Chris Parker, you know, like his current um, sort of status... I don't think anyone could go through that machine and not be changed by it and not yeah. benefit from it. And that group of comics who felt like they were you know, trying to get inside the mainstream have now become the establishment in, in some weird way. And you sort of wonder if for the next generation, and there's wildly talented people coming through, where their shot comes from in the same kind of, in the same way. Yeah, the, 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 yeah well, the traditional broadcast TV windows are probably closing, although you see like the young comedians on Seven Days and stuff like that now who are jumping on there. Um, so that's quite nice. But um I think it comes through the internet. Like you can be in the way I was lucky to get proven while getting money. Unfortunately, now you kind of have to prove yourself without getting any money um, through the internet. But I think there's tons of like little startup funds. Like there's still the same amount of New Zealand Air money going out, and there's still the same amount of I assume I don't actually I don't go don't quote me on that. <laughs> but um, uh, but and there's and the internet is really opening up a lot of opportunities. So I think it's still there. It's just. It's just not the same as it was, and it's a real shame there's not something like Jono and Ben uh, to help develop talent and for people to develop on. You're right, yeah. So, what, what's so you've 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 made the, this podcast? You've got a new season of New Zealand Today. Is it shot, or what's the current status? No, we're shooting it at the moment. Um, I've been uh, lucky that I have been locked down and then living in Nelson, so um, I've been able to film with a with a Christchurch based crew around um, the South Island and stuff like that. And so uh, hopefully it comes out as scheduled sometime early next year is the dream. But we're, we've we've only shot five segments and we need to shoot 20 or something to make a show. So we've got a, we've got a way to go. We're a quarter way through. What's what's the future of the show? Like, I mean, New Zealand, just as with like, there are these cycles with romance reality shows, you know, you sort of feel like there's a, a talent pool and it's not that deep. And once you're through it, you just have to kind of let it refertilize. Nah, in, in New Zealand, in New Zealand, it's deep, man. There's so many interesting people out there and there's so many that I can't get hold of. And there's so many, honestly, my list of stories I want to do for the season is 130 long. And there's some people who need to talk to lawyers and there's some people who um, just aren't ready yet, but say they'll be ready in six months time. Um, the, the talent pool is deep, so I don't have a problem with that. The limit on New Zealand today is really my skill and my creativity, I think. Not that there, not that that's much, but like, you know, like it's hard to keep fresh and keep doing, uh, original things from my perspective, but the, the amount of amazing stories out there in New Zealand and the amount of amazing people is, 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 um, bottomless. It's just whether I can remain interesting and, and funny, that's the that's the challenge, I think. Huge challenge. Um, what, yeah. you, and it's also whether you can remain interested in it. Is there anything that's sort of itching or a kind of a, like, whether it's a return to your sort of awkward comedy roots? What, what, what's the, what, you know, you're sort of at this 
like we said before, at this in- incredible, exultant, very rare situation where you have a show that is very much your own, what, what, what's what's next for you? Do you think my dream is to um, my dream is to uh, copy the um, uh, the David Farrier model? Um, me and Farrier cross over so much as it is. I'm sure maybe I he got cool glasses first. Um, yeah, he's had them the I, whole time. I, I'm sure he copied pink shorts off me, though. I'm sure I had to stop wearing my pink shorts when Farrier started wearing. What's your pink relationship shorts. with Farrier like? Like, do you got you? Do you, I feel like you guys. Do, it is good. Oh, do you think we're rivals? That'd be on cool. some level, I feel like it would be more fun if you guys didn't get on. If maybe you could shut talk him a little bit oh, now. No, well, we we will become rivals one day when I get on his level. But um, uh, no, it can't be. We can't be rivals because he is up another stratosphere. Just like I can't be rivals with Rose. Like if someone's on HBO, <laughs> I can't be here making a bloody, some YouTube videos for um, for TV3 Discovery, um, you know, comparing. Like it's, it's not comparable at the moment. But I want to be rivals with Faria, and this is um, hilarious, but I show up to a lot of events. Um, I won't say what they are, but like um, <laughs> events where I'm there reporting for New Zealand Today and he'll be there trying to film a pilot or something like that because, you know, sometimes our interests overlap. This feels like a show. And, yeah, and I and I always want to bring him into the story and he's never keen because, but this is hilarious, and not because he's an asshole. David Ferry is the loveliest dude. He's because um, he is undercover and every time he's undercover, I always come up with my camera and go, hey, David, how's it going, mate? He's like, fuck off. God. Like, he's, no, he's lovely, but he like he tries to pretend he doesn't know me because we worked at, together at TV3 for quite a few years. Um, and I, every time I forget that I'm blowing his cover and that he's trying to be undercover at the, the Scientology New Zealand opening or something like that, and I out him every time. And it's just hilarious how many times that's that's um, that's happened. But I always want to make him a rival in my stories and um, – uh, yeah, we haven't got we haven't got to that level yet, unfortunately. Uh, well, hopefully that 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 one seemingly quite achievable wish is uh, is is in your future. Guy Williams, thank you so much. It's been real fun having you on the show. No, really nice to uh, talk to you and nice to be on the podcast. And congratulations on your podcast and all the um, recent things the spinoff uh, has been doing at the moment. The redesign and the new editors and all the changes it's been awesome, man. And oh, can I also say I was in a batch the other day. Uh, and every batch in New Zealand has about three types of books. They have some John Grisham's, they have the Penguin History of New Zealand, and they have uh, rugby players' biographies. And I remember that you wrote one of them, Dan Carter's biography. I haven't read it. It might be great. But you titled it My Story. What did I title how it? Did you, how did you title the book My Story? Like a six-year-old child writing the... <laughs> Writing the story of their school holidays. My story. Dan Carter, my story. What is that? I think you're vastly overstating the degree of creative control I had over Dan Carter's autobiography. That actually but re- you must have gone into the meeting and gone, D- Dan had creative control. You must have went in an interview gone, Dan, we can't call it my story, bro. I wasn't a it. huge fan. Look, to, to be honest, I wrote that book during the first year of the spinoff. The bulk of it I wrote in two two weeks because I was just... <laughs> But I, th- I think it holds up, you know, um, and uh, and we we got the fairy tale conclusion, so so it so it sold real well. Hence, it's in batches across the nation. Hey, it's been uh, it's been real good to talk. We'll just try and end it again. Um, but uh, yeah, real good to see you, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can hang out when you're back up in Auckland. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Duncan. I appreciate being on the podcast. Thanks. Kia ora e tewi. Kia he Butler here, podcast manager at the Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.
the Spin-Off Podcast Network.